I love that song, the voice that I hear falling on my ear. And my favorite part, though, that I remember even as a kid, my favorite part of that verse was, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other is ever known. That's, that is, that, that verse right there, just that, my mom, she always had flowers, she likes flowers, and, and so that was always, every time I'd hear that song, I always think of that, my grandma always grew stuff, and, and just that, that moment of, you were talking about that early in the morning, that, that you know, in a, in a Jack, you talked about that that song. I heard that, and then you said in the in the evening when when the sun's down. That's in the book of Genesis where it was the cool of the evening that God began to speak to us and begin to that that moment of rest where there's there's just you know I know now like everything we do right now is in the mornings <laughs> early and then in the evenings where it's cool and and the Lord was just like you know because in the daytime there's a, there's struggle to stay cool you're thinking about that but in the evening it's it's starting to calm down you can just relax and I know even around the house in the evening it's not just blazing hot at night it's a little bit of a breeze and you're kind of we've even kind of sat on the back porch and just kind of just kind of breathe a little bit you know um today if you got your bible we're going to turn to to John 3 is where we're going to be John chapter 3 we've I've been in John for a, a while, and, and I just can't get out of it, and I just keep getting more and more out of it, and the Lord just keeps diving deeper and deeper into the book of John. I, I love it. Um, and so, you know, we all know John three sixteen, and sometimes I think that, I think one of the reasons the Lord's had me do it more than anything is just over the years, you get these scriptures that they teach us, and that we've learned, and I learned John three sixteen. we've all learned that, you know, it, it's very familiar, and and some would even say it's an elementary scripture, but when you really look at it, it's very not elementary. It's very mature. It's very, um, it's an amazing, it's, it's, we would believe a cornerstone even for, for our, what we, what we believe in and how we believe. And, um, but sometimes I think as we, we, we read scriptures and we, like if we have John three sixteen, so we read everything up to that point and then everything past it, but we read like, we hurry up to get to it. And then, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, 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 John three sixteen, And and I was just kind of looking, and as, as I've really just kind of, over the last probably couple of years, just kind of slowed down and just started reading a lot of the Word of God and just begin to read. Um, the book, in the, the beginning of John 3, uh, we're going to get to 316, but um, at the ending of John chapter 2, we see uh, the cleansing of the temple. Jesus, he braids a whip and goes in and and we've always heard that he was whipping people but actually what he was doing was when you studied out he was driving the animals out of the temple because they had brought them in different animals for sacrifices and he made the statement he says this is not a den of thieves you've made it a house of merchandise but my father said it'd be a house of house of prayer and you've turned it into a money changing you've turned it into something that it never was created to be um so it's interesting when you look at that, because this is kind of where Jesus goes from here, and the, the people of that, they begin to talk about a sign. So Jesus goes in, and I'm just going to paraphrase, and then we're going to get to three real quick. He goes in, he drives them out, he, he, he tells them, he says, take these things away, verse 16 of chapter 2, uh, do not make my father's house a house of merchandise, a den of thieves, or whatever it is, and so... The story behind that is, is 
they were selling sacrificial animals so you wouldn't have to do all the work. You come here for a low price, we'll give you a sacrifice, an animal for sacrifice. The, the way it was supposed to be done was it was supposed to be something from you. It was supposed to cost you something. It was supposed to, it was supposed to mean something when you gave it, but you just throw some money at it and come at it. It didn't mean anything at this point. So then verse 17, then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. The words, this is talking about Jesus. And so the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you now, do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it's been taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now, the, the, when you read this, cleansing of the temple, that's a, he, Jesus come in and cleans the temple, but, but in reality, when you read the book of John, from this point on, Jesus was not just cleansing the temple, but he was establishing a confrontation. This was a very confrontational act by Jesus Christ. And when he told them, so you know Jesus spoke in parables, and a lot of times the people didn't understand what he was talking about. And Jesus said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again. Now, if you remember, towards the end of John, they begin to bring false witnesses against Jesus. And what did they say to Jesus about Jesus? Jesus said he was going to destroy this temple. That's what they begin to talk about. That's when they brought the false witness. The false witness, they took his words. He said, this temple, and he wasn't talking about the temple they were standing in. He was talking about his own body. But when they brought him before the pilot, he said he was going to destroy this temple. Now, what Jesus did was he began to confront the very thing that they're talking about. Because what Jesus was saying, the confrontation here was not that Jesus was just going to change a few things. But the confrontation was, as Jesus is saying, I'm tearing this thing down. I'm going to replace it with something different, something new. And, 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 but he was talking about in himself as well. Now, whenever the Jews understood the destruction of a temple, to them, that was everything that they knew was about to change. And Jesus is telling them, this is coming, this is on its way. And they were like, well, wait a minute. If everything that we've known and everything we've understood is about to change, what does that leave us with? So you look at what they're confronting here. Jesus is speaking to uh, his people. So in this, we know that there would be several different sects of people. You would have people that says that were, 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 were truly devoted to say things are about to change and they could see good in this change that was about to come. They could see Jesus Christ. And those that received Christ could see the good in what was about to change. Now, those that had some stakes in some things, those who had great things to lose. So let's take the very thing that the Pharisees and them were really worried about were losing was control, was riches, was power, was, was positioning. They were the ones that begin to push back on this and say, wait a minute, you can't destroy everything. What if we lose everything? You begin to see them begin to plot against Jesus to say, he could ruin everything. <laughs> everything that we've established, everything that we've got, by this time they had moved themselves positionally into places of power and authority, not only religiously and among their nation, 
but also politically with the Romans. And they were beginning to say, this could tear up everything that we have here. So that's the ending of chapter 2. And now we have the beginning of chapter 3, mine that says, the new birth and entering the kingdom. Jesus told them, said, by what sign, in the beginning, in the last one, they said, what sign do you do these things? Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. When the, and it says then, it says, therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Verse 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs, there's that word again, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can this be? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and most surely said, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? We're going to stop right there for a minute, and we're going to try to catch up. This man came to Jesus by night. It was a rabbi. We know it says that he was a ruler among the Jews. Uh, the word Nicodemus itself actually means conqueror, it's a conqueror of the people. And as I studied that out, it wasn't that he conquered the people, but he was a victorious among the people. And so this man came, he was a man of the people. He was a man of the, uh, 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 of, of the people, victorious. But he came by night. Now, we could look at that and, and we could figure that out and see. If, there's several different things that that, that could mean. Uh, regardless of however it is, let's look at night. It could come by a time of day. He came in by time of day. There were several reasons why he would come by time of day because he maybe because he was a leader of the people, there was a controversy around Jesus. And maybe he didn't want to get caught up in that controversy because he was one of those people that began to believe Jesus and begin to see some things about him but at the same time, more than likely, had very great material wealth, a position of power. And he was like, if I'm going to go after this man, if I'm going to stand with this man, I've got to know who he is. I've got to find him for myself. Now, we can have different ideas about that. Well, he should have done this. He should have done that. Maybe he should have come by day. But the reality was, he says, I've got to find for myself. This is where we're going to begin to find John 3.16, we're going to begin to see because we know what John 3.16 says, but it's going to show us up to this point of how we believe, right? So he comes to him and he says, Rabbi, I know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, many of you know that we could say that a lot of people will say, I believe in Christ. He was a prophet. You know, I've heard people say that he was a great man. He was all these things. So here we have a, a surface level or a, a, a very casual belief in Jesus Christ. He's seen him. I see the miracles you can do. I obviously see this is of God. Um, 
I don't understand how you can do this unless God is with you, unless you, you've been chosen. Uh, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, before we get into that, let's look at that word night again. Now, the word night can also mean darkness. We know that it's not just darkness or a time of day, but darkness also is a, is a terminology for unlearned, for ignorant, for not knowing, for, for a misunderstanding of him. So we could say that Nicodemus came by dark, by night, by unlearning and saying, I don't know about you and you've intrigued me. And so there's something that I got to find out about you. I see you doing great signs. I see you doing great miracles. And I know, I've, I've learned enough, I've been around this long enough, that, that we would say that you're of God. That God has sent you and God is with you. But I want to know more about you. This is, I believe, the intriguing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what I believe the church is supposed to be portraying for people and laying out for people so that they can come and begin to go, I don't know him. I've heard about him and I believe he was a man, but you say he's the son of God. You say he's was 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 uh, born of a virgin, risen the third day, see at the right hand of the Father. I want to know more about him. And they come to us, and what we see in the world today is a world that is in darkness. Now, darkness is not always just sin. Uh, uh, um, I believe sin is a result of darkness. And and when sin begins to happen, most of the time it's because they don't understand the love of God. Jesus says. Forgive them for they don't know what they do. They haven't learned. They don't understand completely yet. And so by night he comes and he begins to ask questions. Jesus says that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, as, as that word night has many, some multiple meanings to it, some different layers other than just a time of day, but it can mean darkness, it can mean unlearned. Also, we see the word see. There's two things of, of being able to see. I can see visually the kingdom of God, or I can begin to see. We know that see means to understand. I begin to see things clearly. I begin to see things differently. Uh, uh, and sometimes that word seeing something is not just with my eyes, but I begin to see it and understand. Uh, people will say, you show somebody, say, I'm going to show you something, I'm going to teach you something. They go, oh, I see that. I see how that works. Because he said, how can these things be? How I don't see how we, this can be here. And Jesus says, I say to you, unless one is born again. Now let's take that word born. Born again. Uh, we, we see that word. The word born, I'll have to look it up, but it's uh, the Greek word. Uh, it depends on how you use that word of the, of the meaning of what it means. Now, if you look at that word the way we see born, we, immediately when we think of born, we think of the side of the mother of giving birth. So the word born again, and you begin to see because Nicodemus doesn't understand it. How can, I be, how can I enter my mother's womb again? And Jesus, in this scripture, wasn't talking about the actual birth of, the, uh, of, of coming from the mother, per se, in that moment. But also in that word, if you're talking about the father. See, in today's society, we have this issue with the born and the unborn. And what we deal with, we never hear any situations. I'm just going to say this. 
In the issue of abortion, we never hear anybody talking about the father. There's very little talk about the father. It's, it's all about the, the mom or, or, or the woman who is carrying the baby of what she's going to do with that baby. But we never hear the issue of, I would say probably 85 to 90% of these women, the father is not involved in any capacity. Well, except for one way. We know how that happened. But so the, the, the issue here is because when you see born again, that word born also has a, a, a meaning of begotten. We heard that word before. The only begotten of the father. The begotten means in the word born and the understanding of, of life and, and the creation of life, begotten is of the father. Amen. So when you begin to see here, he says, unless one is begotten of the Father. In other words, unless, uh, I heard an old preacher say that when you come into Christ, you've been redaddied. <laughs> you have an earthly father and you have a heavenly father. And Jesus is saying, unless you've been begotten of the Father, because you're going to begin to see what he says here. Unless one is born again, he cannot see, he cannot understand the kingdom of God. Jesus told him, said, don't let anybody tell you the kingdom is over here and it's over there. You're not going to see it physically with your eyes, but it will be revealed to you and understand. And then you will begin to see the kingdom as it begins to work. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. Nicodemus said to him, how can one be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and, he, and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Talking about baptism and the understanding of this revelation of who Jesus Christ is and that you are begotten of the Father. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Why did he choose me? I don't know, but I feel it, and I know that he's changed. Right? How do we know the winds? We've learned to harness the power of the wind. We've learned to know, we've learned over the years before there was electricity and there was power, we'd get in our ships, we'd throw a little blanket up and it began to move us, but we didn't know where it come from. We don't know where it started and we don't know where it stopped. All we know is we can feel the effects of a cool breeze. Amen? I know when it's hot outside and you hit that cool breeze somewhere or something, wind's blowing and you hit and you're like, oh man, I don't know where that came from, but thank God. I've never heard anybody go, man, that's a cool breeze. And somebody go, well, I wonder where that thing came from. Let's go find out where it's coming from. When you're outside and you feel the breeze. But too many times we, in our, in our, our human nature, our human state, we want to figure things out. We want to, let's find where God came from. Where is he at? Who is he? How did this happen? I don't know how it happened. The old song says, I cannot tell the why, because I know not the why. <laughs> Remember that song? <laughs> and so he, he's saying here is that, that this wind blows, the spirit blows, and he blows across. So is every person. It's a mystery. There are mysteries that we, we don't understand. Why did he choose me? I don't know. 
Why did he choose anybody? Why did he send Christ? Why did Christ raise his hand and say, I'll go into their darkness. They're going to kill me. You're going to raise me again. Right hand of the Father, the Spirit will be poured out. We don't know these things. All we know is what we see and how it's changed our lives. I've had people ask me, well, what about this God thing? How, how can you explain this God to me? And I said, the only way that I can explain it to you, I can show you scripture and, and I can show you things and that's going to be great, but, but it may not solidify you to the point of really understanding the word of God. So that's where our personal testimony comes in to say, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. All I can tell you is it has happened. Amen. I don't know why he came into my truck at 2.30 in the morning, November the 7th, when it was catching on fire and he spoke to my heart. I don't know where he came from, the heavens, the wherever. It, I, I can't argue that. But all I know is what I experienced. And all I know is that when my life was in turmoil, he came and he spoke to my life and he spoke peace be still to the storms in my life. And they calmed for a moment. It hasn't been, it hadn't been still in a long time. And I stood there before him and he began to speak to my heart. He began to minister to me. As David said, he picked me up out of the miry clay and began to set my feet up on a solid rock. I can't tell you why he did it. I can't tell you where it came from. All I can tell you is it changed my life. Amen. I, I don't know the, 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 the mathematics or the mechanics behind it or how it works. I don't know that. All I know is that it works. I think this is one of the reasons maybe why some of the, the older generations seen more power and more things because they didn't, they weren't worried about how it worked. They just knew it did work. I don't know how prayer works. I know it does work. I don't know how testimonies work in accordance to prayers and these different things. All I know is I've seen it work time and time and time again. Amen? I've seen laying, how does, laying on the hands and the, the laying of oil. I don't know. But I've seen it work time and time again. In the middle of this, I want to give a praise report. My friend that had an aneurysm that we, we talked about and they give him all the different things. Uh, he came home Tuesday. <laughs> And they said that everything that they were expecting to happen or could have happened didn't happen. And he's doing good. He's, I went and seen him on Friday. Went, or, yeah, I went and got to see him Friday. He's looking good. He's taking his time. It's going to be about three months recovery. He's doing good. His, his blood pressure is staying down and he's trying to stay calm and that kind of thing. And so those are prayers because a whole community, a whole area of people begin to pray. And one thing he told me, he said, you know, I was raised in this. We were raised in church and believing that. He said, and I've seen God do different things. He said, but it means something different when it happens to you. It, it's, it's, a, it's a different thing. And, and that's what, what we begin to see here. Nicodemus came in, in not understanding. And the world is, is looking for something. And the world is, is coming to us and looking for something saying, I don't understand how this can be. See, our lives should be lived to the point of, I don't understand how life can change for you. See, the, the greatest testimony that we can have is right where we're at. I've had people come to the church when I was pastoring at Warcraft. They would come in and they would say, man, I had to come and see. They said, you're a pastor and a preacher. And I had to come see for myself. <laughs> Because they knew Brent Rose, B.C., right, before Christ. <laughs> they knew him before, and they was like, that just don't match up to the guy I knew. 
But now they said, well, what happened? I said, I don't know what happened. All I know is he touched me, he spoke to me, he's changed my life, and I haven't regretted what I've stepping into this. I haven't regretted serving him and loving him and doing the things that he's called me. There's been no regrets. Has there been hurts? Yeah. Has there been pains? Yes. Has there been hard times? 100%. Yes. There's been all of those things, but I've never regretted the wind blowing across my heart and me breathing in that breath and going, God, I know that you're real, but I want to know more about you. So he goes on to here. And I love this because Nicodemus says, how can these things be? That's what people are beginning to ask. And maybe even inside the church, people are asking, how can these things be? It's a mystery. God, the wind blows here and there. And we've, power, we've harnessed the power. I don't know how the power, I've been in Pentecostal churches where there was lots of power. There were lots of things. I've been in services, been in quiet services where there's lots of power. And I'm going, God, I can't figure it out because I go to this church. They're speaking in tongues, hanging off, and I feel the Spirit of God powerfully. But I go to this church, and they're not doing any of that. And I still feel God the same as much power. There's people coming in. Their lives are being changed. They're being discipled. Over here, there's music. There's all this stuff that I like. And that's going on too. God, how can it be? How can it be? And I don't understand. The only thing I know is it must be God, and it must be the Spirit of God working in both places. Amen. I don't know how it works, but God is drawing people in lives. I've, Beth and I have testimonies of seeing people, and all of us have testimonies of seeing people's lives change in a moment. Just changing in a moment. I don't know how it works. All I know is that at this point in my life, the belief that I have in Christ is greater and greater and greater, and it continues to grow. Then say, I'm, I'm 42 now than when I was 22. I had a belief. I was passionate. Blah. Thank God I was probably more passionate than I had wisdom at that time. And now people will look at you and say, well, you look like you got more wisdom than you got passion. I'm still just as passionate. I'm not as loud as I used to be, maybe. But my wisdom is solidified now. It's like, it don't matter what comes my way because I have this belief in who Christ is. Verse 10, sorry. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, he says, he who ascended to heaven, but, but, he, but he who comes down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. We see here that the story of Christ, you look at Christ, the story of Christ is not that we ascended to him, it's that God descended to us, that he came down to us. There was a, 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 a group called the Crab Family. They sing Southern gospel music. And maybe some of you have heard of them and maybe you haven't, but there was a song that he sang and, and one of the little lines is, is, I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you. Could you please come down to me? And it's an amazing song and I love it. And, but I listened to that. Jesus came down to us. In the Bible, if you look at the Bible, across the Bible, this is the mystery. This is where the Spirit comes. Why did he do these things? I don't know. I'm glad that he did. That's all I know. I don't know why he came looking for Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, even though he couldn't find them, even though they had sinned. I don't know why he was doing that, but I'm glad he did. 
I don't know why he sent an angel to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah to find out what was going on, but I'm glad he did. Amen. He came in because he heard the cries of the people. He hears the cries of his people and he says, go and see what's going on because people are being hurt. They're being, they're, they're being abused and let's find out what's going on here. I don't know why he sent Jesus down to deal with the sins of our nature and the things that we do, but I'm glad that he did. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Now I'm going to take us back to you have to see the kingdom of God. Now watch this. That story of Moses is found, uh, was it Exodus, I believe, where, where they were in the wilderness and they were there and the, the people kept getting snake bit. There were so many snakes, they kept getting snake. they were dying. And Moses went before the Lord and said, the people are dying, Lord. There's our intercessor. The people are dying. They're, they're falling off. They're being snake bit. He says, put a pole in the middle of the ground and put a serpent around, a brass serpent around it. And anybody who looks at that serpent will be healed. Now, we're about to get into this story where Jesus, says, at the end of 15, he says, whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That word believeth, we've made that word of just say a words. What do you believe? Well, I believe in Christ. Well, then say this prayer. Now you're saved. Now you're a Christian. But that word believe has so much more into it. Because the people of that day, they could have been in their tent, got bitten, and said, I believe in that serpent. That if I just look at that serpent, and they would have died. Because the word was, you have to look at the pole. Listen to me. You have to look and see with your eyes, so that understanding can come. Amen? So healing can come your way. So it was a looking, you had to physically get up, walk out, and look at the pole, and you were healed immediately. So 15 says, Whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, very familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That word believe carries so much more weight than just do you know him? Do you understand him? But it's do you believe? Are you walking? Are you looking? Are you seeing? Are you, is he being revealed in you daily? Or was he just a prayer you prayed 10 years ago? Amen. And that word belief is not just, just, it's not just a static word. It's not just sitting, but I'm walking to him. I'm seeing daily. He's showing me every new things every day that I walk with him. Every day that I talk with him in the cool of the evening, he meets me where, where the lily of the valley before the, while the dew is still on the roses and the voice that I hear as I tarry there and, and the, the joy that we share. There's nobody else has ever, have ever witnessed that, but I have, and I don't know why but he's there and I believe in him I will not perish but have everlasting life in the old uh, in, in the ancient day the first church people would ask him are you saved are you a Christian and their response was I'm on the way <laughs> they had an idea that I'm saved I'm being saved and someday whether through the resurrection or through death I will be saved I will solidify this thing when I return back to him. 
However it is, if it's through the, the, him coming back or me going to him. And so they would say, I am on the way. I am walking this thing out. My feet in belief is moving towards him on a daily basis. I'm seeking more. I'm, I'm looking at him. And sometimes I come in the blessed light of assurance. And sometimes I have to still come to him in darkness, in ignorance, in misunderstanding, and unlearning. And say, like the man did when his child, he says, I believe God, but can you help my unbelief? And I'm moving towards you. I'm moving to you. I'm on the way. I haven't arrived yet. Paul says, I I, I don't count anything that I've captured anything but this one thing. (laughs) Amen. He says, verse 17, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Son that came from the Father. One must be begotten of the Father, must be born again. You must realize I have a heavenly Father, but now the understanding and the revelation of seeing the kingdom is now I have a heavenly Father. And if I have a heavenly father, he says, if your earthly father, being evil, knows how to give you good things, how much more does the heavenly father want to give you? Amen. So now I'm begotten of the father. I've been (laughs) re-daddied. I'm begotten of a father who wants good things for me. I'm begotten of the father who in the Old Testament says, I am the apple of his eye. That I was created in his image and I'm walking that way. In his eyes, I'm already there. But there's some days I don't feel like it. There's some days I look around, I see my inadequacies and I see this and I see that. That's when I have to lean into my birth. I have to lean into being born again of who I am. That I rest in blessed assurance. I rest in that assurance of Christ. I rest in that assurance of the only begotten Son of God. And it says this, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Verse 21, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. John three sixteen. for whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now we preach that, that salvation, and it's a salvation message. It's an understanding of that message, but it's so much more than just a prayer. It's so much more than just, but we are, how many of us have come before the Lord as Nicodemus? Lord, I believe in you. I believe in you. And I I believe that the things that I've seen are of you and of God. And I know that that, that I have this. And Jesus answers, most assuredly, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In that begotten of the Father, in that birth into this new life and this new creation. Right? Because we see here that you've begotten of the Father. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Now, this is a, 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 to me is a very powerful understanding. And I'm preaching this to the choir. We know our salvation. I'm not preaching to anybody here that I believe is teetering on your salvation. But it also begins to help us understand how to reach and teach people. The belief systems. The belief, he says, that you believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
That word everlasting life is not just that you're going to live forever. That word everlasting life is the word uh, zoe. And uh, is it Kenneth Hagin, I believe, has a, a great teaching on the zoe life. And the zoe life is not just eternal, the time of life, but it is the quality of life. And in, in, in that word zoe, it literally means that you now have the life as the eternal one lives. And he has, and you are becoming into that. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, that's why we're on the way. That's why that I'm seeing the kingdom daily in a new way. It's being revealed to me. I'm going from glory to glory, and I keep understanding him. Uh, the old song, I keep thinking of these old songs today, but the old song says it gets sweeter as the days go by. It, what, what was yesterday was sweet, but today is even more. And I see that time and time again today. Um, this, yesterday, we... we uh, my friend Craig, he was in the middle of projects like most of us are. We, he's got a... He's inherited kind of a big place, about 400 acres from his dad and his grandpa. And he's, so in the middle of all this, he's had hay on the field and different people in the community stepped in and helped him with his hay. But he needed a section of fence built. And so I told him, I said, well, we can do that. It's one thing we can do. And so um, it, it's just that, that moment of seeing the kingdom of God just in little things that we do. And it's revealed to me in a, in a different way every time that we do things. So we had, we was out there, and, and our little fence crew is Eric and Vi, and me, and Blake, and my dad. Now here is my, my dad, uh, over the last few years, has, he, he's, he's getting older, and he's having a hard time. He's, he's worked really hard his, his, his whole life. At one point, he, he fell 30 feet from a bucket and broke his back and his feet, and he's, he's been having some hard time with his back, and he can't, he has a, one of the things he's dealing with is, He's wobbly. You know, he doesn't have balance well. My dad's been able to go and do anything he wanted to do. You know, just build. He could build. He could fix anything. And, but he hasn't been able to do that. And it's been frustrated for him. And, and, and our relationship has been interesting of how we've been interesting for me of how we've related over the years and just kind of dealing with what we're this now to help him out. And that's my goal. That's the boys and these girls that help out too. And our family is just helping dad he's been kind of he don't like sitting so it's too hot for him to work he don't like sitting in the house that drives him crazy and one day I come home he was sitting on the porch I said what are you doing he said your mom kicked me out of the house she don't want me in the house no more so I walked in there and I said did you kick dad out of the house she said well yeah she said I she said he need to get outside for just a little bit but that's just where he's at you know and I know some days I, don't, I say that as a funny, and I think, well, someday I'll probably, these kids will be doing the same thing with me, fighting me, trying to keep me settled down. But here we are, we're, we're helping. My friend needed this, and we went to him and began to help. And I, one day, I was, I was, yesterday, I looked down, it was, we'd worked in the morning, and then we'd come back in the cool of the evening. Now, this had some big oak trees in the line, so in the evening, it was all in the shade. It was nice, and the boys were working, and we had this little system going, we'd stretch our wires, and we were putting our clips on, and and I look down the line, and there's Eric, there's Vi, there's Blake, and there's my dad. And dad just kind of, he wasn't doing it, he was just watching, just kind of looking. And I thought, we all are building this fence. Not because we're all great at building a fence. Not even sometimes because we want to build this fence. But here we are doing the work. And I looked down, and I thought, how do we know how to build this fence? How, why are we tying these ties on this fence the way we're tying this fence on? And you talk to 
five different people how to build fence, and they're each one of them are going to tell you a different way of how to build fence, right? Any of them the wrong or right way? No, it's just the way we're doing it. And I was looking at that, and you look at all the fence, and it's all uniform, even though there was four of us doing the exact same thing. It all, it, four different people doing it, but it was all under the eye and all under the watch of the Father. And that stepped back, and I've been reading this scripture for a while, and I stepped back, and the Lord began to say, you've been begotten of the Father. You were birthed from the mother. I have a lot of qualities of my mom. I think that's even funny because I was adopted. But I still have a lot of qualities from my mom. But there's things that I do because I've been begotten of the Father. And we were doing this thing, and I was walking that, and I said, Lord, I said, how, how is that with us that, that in the body of Christ that we do things like the Father? And we do things like Jesus. There's this, there's this thing that's been in my heart for, the, for a couple of weeks now. That how Christ-like is the church? How Christ-like are we in the church? We say we, we want to be begotten of the Father. And if we're begotten of the Father, first of all, we, we, we are... Jesus, we have heard people say, he's our older brother. He's the only begotten. He's the one that came from the Father. And we have been adopted into that. And the Bible says heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And we're on the way of becoming like Christ. We're on our way to becoming that. And I think, Lord, my prayer is in my life, but also the broader spectrum of the church is how close are we? Or how far away are we from being like Christ? Do we walk with him? Do we listen to the words that he said? As I was looking at this, and I was reading John 3, 16, and, and the preachers that I grew up under, and I could say, we could all agree on that that is the gospel. That's, that is a gospel message, John 3, 16. And, and over the years, we see a lot that's happening in, in our world, and, 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 and I begin to hear this, this thing that says that the spirit of Elijah must come. And when he comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers. And I see that and we quote that. We have all these quotes and and sometimes we use that quote for certain things that we want to accomplish. But Jesus made the statement and he said that you've heard that the spirit of Elijah must come. And I tell you, it's already come. And his name was John the Baptist. And I begin to think about that, and I begin to think, well, if John the Baptist was the fulfillment of that scripture spoken of by Jesus, then I looked at the life of John the, of John the Baptist and say, how was he, what was he doing that would fulfill that prophecy? What was his words, what was his actions that would fulfill the prophecy of the father's return to the children and the hearts of the children returning back to the fathers? And I begin to look at his words, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I thought, he preached the gospel. So any time that the gospel is being preached and the gospel is being received, the consequence of that is the hearts of the fathers turning back to the children and the hearts of the children turning back to the father and believing in Christ and salvation, no condemnation, and eternal life begins to spring forth and to bring the spring up. As I begin to think about that, I begin to think about Southeast Oklahoma. What are we doing? We, we've begin to, we, we, we've spoken, we've, we've heard, we've released, we've prayed, we've worshipped, and, and, and we continue to doing as the Lord speaks to us. One of the things that I begin to see 
that's beginning to change Southeast Oklahoma is the preaching of the gospel. And in me, what I see that's changing me, Jack, is I've stepped out of this us versus them. And I step back and go, they're preaching the gospel too. They're preaching the gospel too. They're reaching people just like I'm reaching people. And forgive me, Lord, for being arrogant enough to think that I'm the only one that's got the the message. Because your word tells us I only prophesy in part. I only have a piece of this thing. And, And so let me do my part the best that I can. And let me lift up my brothers and sisters who are out there that are doing the exact same thing that we're doing. And matter of fact, doing the exact same thing we've been praying for them to do. And when I, when I begin to realize that, I begin to open my eyes because I'm thinking in my little world, I didn't see a lot of things. I wasn't seeing the kingdom of God necessarily. I was, oh, no, I got to, I got to, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. If I ain't going to do it, it ain't going to happen. And the Lord says, just stop and step back. And then I begin to see the kingdom of God because I begin to look at my salvation and I begin to go, God, it's by faith and it's by grace and it's by mercy that I've received I look around and I see these guys preaching and teaching the exact same thing. And I begin to look and go, wait a minute. The gospel is being preached all across. Then I begin to see that there's, I think now there is a Bible-based recovery in just about every county of southeast Oklahoma that I know. The churches are stepping in saying this is, a, this is something that we're dealing with. This is hub. So let's begin to open our doors and begin to minister to them. And they're learning. Do they know everything? No, they don't know. They don't do it the way we did it at Warcry or the way we did it, but they're doing it. And I thought, God, you're going to bless that. And I see testimony after testimony of people saying, man, I'm, I'm giving my life. I'm changing my life. And people that, that I've known for a long time that moved away from here that you think, man, I don't know if they're ever going to. They're on, we got saved at this little church. I got saved at this little church. I'm doing, I'm helping here. And you go, man, those guys, the gospel is being preached. God still loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's one of the most powerful scriptures, I believe, that we have in our, in, our, in our Bible. God loved us so much that he sent his son so that now he's touched our lives so we can tell people what God has done for us. How does it work? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but all I can tell you is ever since that day, I gave my life to the Lord. Now, then we can argue about how that happens. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, all I know, and it's, it's been funny, we've heard so many people, what was the guy that I know is preaching at uh, Hartshorn? He was on an oil rig. He was up, up on the deck, uh, wherever it's called, up top. And he heard something, what was that? Realized he's the only one up there. <laughs> and he kept working, working, he said, said his name. He turned around and looked, and something hit him, and, it, and as far as I know, this, guy, this kid didn't grow up in church. He said, all of a sudden, I stop and go, that's God. I better listen. (laughs) Preaching the gospel now. Preaching the gospel. And we see this time and time again. Our prayer is, Lord, that you allow us to be a part of it, God. God, thank you, God, for, for, for putting in us a desire to pray. A desire to worship God. We, we know this is not from us. 
It's not something that we, we just do as, as human nature, God, but it's the Spirit of God, Lord. As deep cries out to deep, God. Lord, there are those that are crying out, God, in this very city, God. Love, I have no hope. I have no peace. I, I don't have healing, God. And this morning, God, you spoke to Miss Kay, and she sang a song, and she began to speak Jesus. I speak Jesus over every fear, God. Lord, you hear the cries of your people, God. And Lord, as, as, as we as Christians, as connected in that spirit, God, let us begin to hear that cry of the deep, God, as we are obedient in just simply singing a song and releasing it, God, that it may reverberate, God, Lord, from here to eternity, God. Lord, that these words, they don't just stop at this building, God. Lord, this building absorbs this presence, God. And those that come around it, God, they will hear and they will, they will, they will know, God, but more they will feel. Feel, and they will begin to see the kingdom of God, Lord. God, as a revelation, God, that you've begotten them, God. Lord, that they can become born again, Lord. They can, they can understand the Father, God, Lord. And the Spirit will begin to, to rise up in them and draw them closer and closer, God. That they may see the kingdom of God. Love, peace, righteousness, joy in the Holy Ghost, God. God, our prayer, God, is continue to, 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 to let us hear, God, and be obedient, God, as you speak, God. Because you hear the cries, God, of those that are in darkness, God. You hear the cries of those that are in pain and those that are hurting, God. And as you speak to our heart, God, let us hear your spirit, God. Let us be aware of what you're speaking to us, God, of when to sing, of, what to, of when to declare, God, as we lift up, God, in our joyous relationship with you, God, Lord. In our blessed uh, uh, fellowship that we have with you, God, as we lift it up, God, Lord, it spills out, God. And people begin to hear, they begin to see, they begin to taste that you are good, Lord. God, as we walk in this relationship that we have with you and we grow, God, and we continue to see more and more of the kingdom of God as you reveal it on a daily basis, God, more of who you are, God, more of who you are in our lives, God, Lord, Lord, that this, this, this place, God, this, this physical land that you allow us to walk on, to, to work in, to, to play, God, Lord, Lord, that it would begin to change even more, God, as we've seen it changed already, God. And God, we're seeing it, God. It is, it is changed, it is changing, and God, it will be changed, God. And God, we just do our part, God. We do our peace, God. And God, we don't forget to lift up our brothers and our sisters, God, Lord, that are preaching, God, that are teaching, God, that are sharing, God, God, that are living a life in front of broken, hurt people, God. Lord, that the world, God, would turn and begin to say, I need help. Lord, as they begin to turn back to the church, God, Lord, as the church learns to be more Christ-like, God, Lord, that when the world looks at the church, they don't see screaming faces, God. They don't see angry people, God. But God, let them see see the eyes of Christ, God. God, let them feel the nail-scarred hand of Christ as they reach out, God. Oh, they reach out for something, God, that we have something to grab a hold of, God, that is more than just religion, God. God, it's more than just church dogma, God. It's more than just how to act right in church, God. God, it is life, God. It is, it is life abundantly, God. God, Lord, anybody who believe in Christ should not perish, God, but have everlasting life, God, Lord. God, Lord, let us realize we've got more
more, God, than just a pamphlet, more than just a prayer to give to people, God. God, that you've given us eternal life, God. And God, we can share that, God. Out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water, God. God, let us come back to the awareness of that again, God. God, let the church in America, God, become Christ-like, God. And God, let the rivers of living water pour out of her like never before, God. God, let the rivers of living water, God, Oh, that same spirit that found me, God, in the bottom of a ditch, God, broken, hurt, God, desperate and angry even, God, Lord, that that same spirit that came in and reached your hand out and said, grab a hold, it's going to be okay, God. God, today we pray, God, the spirit of Christ, God, will flow from the, from the pulpits, God, will flow from the church buildings today, God. God, as we return back to the heart of God, Lord, when the music fades and the screens go away, God, Lord, and everything's stopped, God, but we've before you, God, I let us come back to the heart of worship, God. A heart, God, Lord, that you saved us. God, you found us, God, some places, God, that was completely dark and completely hopeless, God. Do not let the church forget where you brought us from, God. And God, let us minister out of the joy, God. Let us minister out of the, the, the thankfulness of where you brought us from, God. God, that we were once lost too, God. We were once unlearned and in darkness, God. We were once Nicodemus coming saying, how can these things be, God? God, we may not know the answer. All we know is you've changed us, God. All that we know is that you touched our lives. And God, it's been better ever since, God. We pray, God. We pray for Christ-like evangelism, God. God, the sweetness of Christ, God, would fall upon the church, God, as we minister, God. Lord, a a Christ-like evangelism would come forth, God, like never before, God. Lord, you love the world so much that you sent your son for him, God. Lord, those that we consider the world, God, you died for them just like you died for us, God. And let us not forget that, God. Let us walk with meekness. Let us walk with love, God. Let us walk with power and authority, God. Let us preach the gospel like John the Baptist did, God. And God, Lord, that that the hearts of the fathers would turn back to the children. The hearts of the children would turn back to the father, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the receiving of Christ and of the Holy Spirit, God. And God, as you begin to work in the lives of of the people around us, God, we thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to carry such a wonderful message of reconciliation, God. Thank you, God, that you've called us to carry this beautiful, beautiful message, God. Lord, don't let us take it lightly. Lord, don't let us take it for granted, God. Lord, don't let it just be something that we do, God, but let it be a life that we live. God, as we're on the way, that we know that you're with us. And we know that you're leading us and you're guiding us, God. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say amen Amen. to your word, Lord. Amen to what you're doing. Amen 
what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's make our declaration. As we have given back to the Lord a portion of what he's given us, we declare that he teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. As we bless Israel, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He blesses us, his way becomes known on the earth, and salvation among all nations. Lord, we are believing you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off and transfer of wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, heavens opened, earth invaded, signs, wonders, miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for more than enough. So we live into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, see Jesus get his full reward. Amen.